Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, <laughs> why don't you give them a shot you can find a therapist that you can connect with their resource is thousands of therapists well-trained and experienced you can keep looking until you find someone that you click with they have customized online therapy they do offer videos but they also offer phone and live chat sessions so you don't even have to be seen you can only be heard what are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we talk a little bit about two healing forms called Reiki and EFT, or emotional freedom techniques. Reiki is a form of healing energy. The practitioner uses what's sometimes referred to as universal energy, and it transfers through the palms and helps encourage emotional and physical healing. EFT is a form of tapping. It's another healing technique that stimulates the acupressure points in the body, and it helps release fear and trauma. I highly recommend both of these techniques. We're gonna learn a little bit more about them today and about self-healing. We have a very special Valentine's episode. We have decided that Valentine's Day should be about self-love. So we invited a healer to come and join us and talk to us about self-healing. She's a Reiki master, an EFT healer. She is the founder of Pause in Joy, Awareness and Lifestyle Programming. And she was featured in the critically acclaimed Heal documentary. Please welcome Patty Penn. Patty Penn to stage, please. Patty to stage. Good morning. I'm so happy you're joining us. I'm so happy that you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we even begin, I think we might need to just touch on some basics, okay, so that people understand everything that we're talking about. So yeah. just, just for people to understand the basics, can you explain Reiki and EFT? And is EFT the same thing as tapping and dynamic tapping? Um, it is, but it isn't. Let's start with the Reiki because um, to understand how it shifted for me with the tapping, I think you, uh, we need to start with the Reiki. To me, it, it, it is a healing modality, but I don't think it does it justice just by saying it's a healing modality. It's like saying yoga is fitness. Right. Mm, right. right. It's the same thing that happened to yoga uh, in a way of like, oh, you'll get nice arms and a lean body. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you'll you'll be it'll bring down your stress. Yeah. Whereas people that have a, a, a deep yoga practice or even a meditation practice kind of know it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. And yeah. Reiki kind of came to the West in that way of. Oh, it's going to heal you. Maybe the West just needs more healing. 
We do. I can. <laughs> 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 things that are going, oh, it's going to fix me, going to make me feel better. And then when I started kind of getting into this, I was like, oh, this reminds me of when I did martial arts when I was younger. This reminds me of Zen teachings. This reminds me of the force. <laughs> Mm-hmm. right of the universe of what you're really kind of tapping into and then that's when I realized that's what he was really teaching this spiritual conscious energy that we all tap into you know when I work with someone with cancer you know that is tapping into that place where they need to go you know that's terrifying in the same way when I work with an actor or a director or a songwriter who also need to be really vulnerable but they need to go to that place that they don't want to go to. I think sometimes it's the language that we use around things that either turns people off or it helps them click in. And I remember at one point, many, many years ago, my brother was very ill. He had um, leukemia and he had to get a bone marrow transplant. He was really, really sick. And I went into the room and I told him, you know, let me do a little Reiki on you. I do a little Reiki. I'm certainly nothing like you are. (laughs) But his doctor said no. His doctor said, no, 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 no. I don't want you touching him. I don't want you doing anything. And I said, look, would you tell someone that they can't come in the room and say a prayer over him? Just think of it that way. It's the same thing. I'm just, it's just a different word for trying to bring energy to a situation and help move someone through something, through the power of shifting energy. You know, when someone is going through, you know, uh, uh, they're in a deep, deep space of um, restoring. Sometimes there's no talking to do, you know, there's just this feeling that you're like a sponge Mm. and you're just soaking in this energy that you don't know what it's doing, but it feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, you don't really need to get into um where it's coming from the philosophy of it and all of that it just feels right Mm -hmm. it just feels aligned you know and it comes through the you know people have said to me oh my god this is like the the christ consciousness and then buddhists have said to me oh this is like the buddha the buddha you know that feeling i get when i'm doing my my practice yeah, other people have said to me, it's it's like the feeling they get when they're in Shavasana and they leave their body, you know, and they feel like they when they come back, they feel like they've slept for 10 hours. Mm. If you kind of try and pin it down, I don't think you're doing it justice. So how uh, did you shift from the Reiki work into the tapping work? I was dealing with a um, father that had clinical depression. I knew I needed to do something to kind of look at his um, how he was brought up and things, and he's he's a he's a welder, <laughs> you know. He's not into he doesn't like it. Even when we would have people in the house that were healers and mystics, he'd be like, I'm, "I don't like this." <laughs> he would leave, you know. Um, so <laughs> for him, I knew it was going to help him. It was big with golfers. People were shifting their handicap two to three uh, uh, strokes by doing uh, tapping by doing tapping because golf is a game of of, of consistency mm-hmm. and when you let your emotions start to kind of run your focus and concentration it uh, and also your mantra of oh my god it's gonna end up I, I don't want it to end up in the bunker oh look it's ended up in the bunker you know kind of like life I don't want to end up in wherever I'm gonna end up wherever 
Um, like the self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Well, where Um, you focus your energy is where it goes. So if you don't want it, that's where it's going. Because if something's going to help them win championships, they don't care. Mm. So it was really big in that way. And people were teaching it from showing you uh, even the demonstration from the man that I, I, I learned it from. He was using a putting. He was saying like, okay, hit the ball into the hall. Oh, you can't do it. Now tap on yourself. Get your, regulate your breathing, you know, and stop getting in your head that you're you're going to miss it. Everybody knows that when their energy is blocked or limited, they feel it in their gut. They feel it in their, they feel this heaviness in their heart. Now imagine that over 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, pick your poison, what that's going to go into. And then there's the unawareness of things that you're holding in your life that are emotional but you don't know how to get rid of that you just accept like like people like my dad were like well that just happened you know my friend got stabbed when he was 18 like I don't know there's you no know? rhyme or reason it's just like, like circumstance you just, you just you know things happen you just get on with life but as you get older as we know traumas live in the body and that's where the tapping became really helpful for me you know because some people were like well what is this what happened I felt I feel so good but then I have this it's showing me that I have this blockage here I have this I have this feeling of rage uh, that I've never really identified in my life and I really want to look at that and then we would tap on it you know so what happens is you tap on the body's energy system and this has been mapped out by Chinese medicine. This has been mapped out by acupuncture, if you've ever went on acupuncture. The way it was explained to me by someone was that you, you're tapping above the eyebrow, side of the face, under the yes. eye, above the lip, the chin, the heart, and then uh, like sort of the side of the rib cage. And the reason you tap those places is because they are the beginning of the Chinese meridian system in the body. And you're sort of awakening the channels in the body and while you're telling yourself the affirmations and you sort of reprogram your energy and the way it's going. Um, So you have like a super highway meridians that go through your whole body. And you know, when you feel really annoyed about something, someone says something over lunch and you're like, you know, (laughs) and you have that feeling like, right. And you go home and you get really annoyed and you start to feel drained. Like what's draining you. Yeah. And it's draining the system. So when we have a disruption through a trauma, through an accident, through uh, things that you're holding on to, resentments, things that have happened to you, patterns of behavior that are protecting you but then become your prisoner, you have it starts to short circuit and then it becomes illness and disease because it's trying to get you to look at this area or this heaviness or this denseness in your body. So the way we um, get it out of the system is by looking at the negative emotion. Now, what I've seen in tapping over the years is people seeing positive things. It's not the positive things that cause the disruption in the body's energy system. It is the negative things that you don't want to say because it feels terrible to say them and you don't want to admit it and worse than admitting it some people don't even know they don't have the awareness around what is triggering them in their life so people in the last 10 years have started to see 
oh, I think I have this thing called triggers, right? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and and oh, I think I have this pattern that, you know, the same thing has happened to me in my life, you know, when I go for auditions or when I'm in love or when I'm trying to launch my business, I have the same peculiar thing that occurs. So there's a pattern. So we look to see where the disruption is. Now, the disruption could be a limitation. It could actually be rage, anger, or resentment. Mm-hmm. And by identifying it, that's the biggest thing in tapping. Is it harder to do over Zoom and, and uh, with distance Reiki and distance healing? Not for me now. I was using Zoom probably about five years before COVID. So when 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 COVID happened, they were like, oh, I'll just download that Zoom that everybody's been using that, that comes every month. Um, so the physical touch is not imperative for the no, healing? No, because it's like non-locality in physics, right? You have, you know something here that is affected to something in the other side of the universe. And that's hard for sometimes people to get their head around until they have an experience with it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what just happened? It's kind of that mentality of heal yourself and heal the world, right? If it is that collective understanding, that ripple effect through your home, through your family, through your neighborhood, through the community at large, and it keeps going and going and going. And that's, I think, what people have seen with, um, you know, take that even into shares in AA. You know, more and more people sharing, the sharing mentality of people's stories of how they overcame, that then affects the collective to to rise up, to Mm -hmm. overcome in their own lives, you know, because it inspires them. I noticed it around 2010, 2012, where more people were doing this work, not because they were sick. Before that, people were coming to this work because they were sick, they were feeling sluggish, or it was very highly creative people I was working with who felt if they didn't do what they were here to do, it was almost like a death for them. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can say on this side, because of our live performance industry and with the pandemic, that it has felt like a death. I have lost the, one of the loves of my life. It's been very traumatic and it feels um, interesting when you talk to those who their work is their work and they kind of disassociate themselves with their work, right? It's something they do. It's not necessarily a part of who they are. They're yes. able to very easily compartmentalize. This mm-hmm. is who I am at work and this is who I am at home. But for a lot of artists, it bleeds all into one being. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so when you take that away from somebody or it just instantly disappears, it has been, I've been reeling. I've been reeling for almost two years, but really it only took a couple months ago for me to say, I feel that I've had a death in yeah. my life. Yeah. yeah. Makes yeah. total something. sense. Yeah. And when I watched the the documentary Heal and I saw you, you were working with this lovely being who her anxiety and trauma was manifesting itself through her skin. Yeah. And you two were um, uh, sort of repeating each other. And I went, oh my gosh, that's the Meisner technique, which is yes, an acting technique. <gasps> I've done it with uh, with with people when we go into something, and someone actually said to me years ago, "You know what you're doing? 
And she says, you're doing the Meister technique. Yes. And I thought, oh my gosh, I always use that as an actor to tap in. So speaking of tap in, to tap into the character or the moment of that character and to reach that emotional awareness. But then I, for some reason, again, whether it's marketing or however you want to word it, I never translated it into a, a technique for healing. I feel like creative energy and healing energy are very similar energies. When you, when you're a creative spirit and you're not creating, you get stuck. That energy is stuck. stuck. And once it bursts open and the healing begins, usually it's through really creative expression that that healing starts to help you move to the next stage. People who upset to me, if they haven't had their creativity, we'd probably be locked up really clinically depressed or another condition that would have been um, institutionalized. The roles that I have gotten the most attention from, whether that's critically or from the audience, is when the audience has seen me at probably some of my most difficult or exhausting points of my life. And they get two and a half hours to witness me working through something, processing through something, using the song as a cathartic moment or, you know, struggling on stage because I wasn't able to do it at home in front of my family. So I'm like, you really just saw a very open therapy session. Yeah. And that's what you're, that's how you're connected. It was messy. It was unexpected. Emotions came to the forefront that I wasn't planning on. And so it did feel fresh and new and artsy, but really all you're seeing is a mess human being messy yeah. in front of 1500 people people, people want, want that, that yeah. they don't want the well-produced polished conversations, right you know where the, oh here's the before and here's the after right yeah it's um you know people move through their healing journeys at different stages yeah. then why do you think we hide how the sausage is made so much of the time because because I think it's the system that we are, have come out of. I think we are coming out of a thousand years of, don't say that, little girls should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be nice. Do, be nice. Don't do your dirty laundry in public. Don't let them know that, you know, good things are happening in this family because they'll be, they'll cover it. They'll be jealous. I think, especially as women, you're taught Don't make someone else uncomfortable. Your discomfort you can deal with, but don't make someone else uncomfortable. So when you try to turn that to self-love, right? So self-love is basically like putting yourself first in small ways and listening to the knowing that's inside of you and all of that. So so how do you find the balance between that, that self-love and being able to put yourself and your boundaries and your needs first and selfishness or guilt? Well, I would just tap on the guilt, you know? So that you are free of guilt for you to cheat yourself and the world of what it is that you've got to bring forward. Because that to me is self-love. If you have an idea, if you have something that you've been chosen to do, whether it's a musical or a play or writing a book or removing that guilt, that it because also that guilt can sometimes be an indulgence for you to not move out of this this comfortable place where everybody likes you. Oh, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, you use it as a shield. Totally. And you don't get to blame yourself. You get to blame yes. the outside world but because- you deal with jealousy. Oh, that's really, that's a very and interesting way to look at it. With envy, jealousy, people that you thought were friends. Mm-hmm. 
not liking that, you know, oh, look at her knife. Mm. <laughs> My daughter, who just turned seven last week, asked me, we were driving home and she was looking out the window and there were lots of people walking in the, we were driving in the car. And she said, why do you think God allows us to see other people, their whole bodies from head to toe and how they walk and how they dance and how they do other things in life, but we don't see ourselves that way. And I thought, oh my gosh, how as a mom am I going to answer this? And I mean, I just said, look, I think God wants us to walk through life feeling all of our feelings. And sometimes when we're only watching something or being a spectator at life, we're not feeling it. So we get to watch others and wonder what they need from us and how we can be of service and how we can make their walk through life a little easier, but for us, we have to be in our bodies so we can actually feel it. And mm -hmm. I thought, well, that was pretty good, but I know <laughs> you have a better answer than what I just did. I think that's part of the undoing of ourselves, you know, to get rid of the, the conditioning. You know, I used to call it conditioning. Some people call it gaslighting now, but for years, my, my work for 20 years has been where have you been conditioned not to see yourself and not to acknowledge yourself and and also diminish yourself? Oh no, that I can't do that, right? And you're like, where does that come from? Where does that? You know, you're getting the message, you're getting the download, you're getting the idea, but you're not giving yourself permission. You need some validation. Then you go around looking for validation and you start telling other people, and then someone steals it from you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. or, or people poo-poo it. So I've been working with children in the last, since the pandemic, you know, mm. to me, they are up to the age of seven, they're data collecting, mm. right? They're taking the data from what they're seeing on their mom, on life, on people, and they're starting to see this system that doesn't really make sense to them and where they can kind of, you know, do they work outside the system? How do they in interface with the system? They don't really like this system. Why, why do, why did, one of them asked me, why is it a adults, you know, don't do as they're told, but we keep getting told we had to do as we're told. And the other one was, oh, why is it they lie so much to themselves? And oh, wow. 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 Why do they lie all the time to themselves? Wow. And why do they live in this, they call it the shoulda, coulda planet? Right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, how do we deal with the shoulda, couldas? You know, people that tell us, well, this is what you should do. And, this is what, and then you look at their life and they're not doing it. They find that they, they, they're looking at the hypocrisy. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, and 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 I said to them, I says, it's it's it, it's uh, the fact that you've identified it is good, but you can't go into this place of that's that person's own journey, and you have to have empathy for that. But you just have to say, oh, that's interesting, mm. or wow. <laughs> And they, they've been learning to do that so that they don't engage in this. Really, it's the adults saying what they should be doing and what they could do, but they're not doing it. That's right. And the greatest self-love self really is to, do it. as an adult, <laughs> just do it. Don't be the shoulda, couldas. No. Just do the act of doing. Exactly. 
So as we start to know ourselves better, and as we start to filter through some of these thoughts and feelings that we're trying to process, is there a way to distinguish easily between what is maybe something karmically that we're dealing with or something that's been passed down generationally or even something that you're picking up if you're empathic from someone else in the room. So it's not even your own feelings that you're feeling. It's the feelings of those around you. How do you start to really distinguish what's mine, what's karmic and what's someone else's? Well, to me, that's where the Reiki kind of comes in because it is an attunement. That's what they call it, an attunement. So you're tuning in to the, the fine tuning of what is, whatever that is that sustains life on this planet. So when you, and that's the, to me, is the knowing you you spoke about earlier, know thyself, to thyself be true, uh, and and the owning of what you're here to do. And when you can kind of balance that and you start to untangle yourself, it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel it from others, but you know it's their stuff and not yours. You know, some people think Mm -hmm. they walk into a party or they walk into something and then all of a sudden they feel uh, out of source and they're like, okay, about five minutes ago, I was feeling fine. And it's not you, it's someone else or it's a feeling in the party. It's a collective energy of nervousness. So I think when you start to kind of differentiate that, you can kind of like, oh, that, I don't really need a kind of like tune into that. And can uh, anyone do that? Can anyone reach that level yeah, of differentiation? I Oh, completely. You know, because I think what happens is depending on your upbringing, say you have an upbringing where you had to ascertain um, what the energy was going to be like tonight with an alcoholic father coming home Uh or um, abuse in the house or shouting or silence even, you know, not knowing if they were going to be in a good mood. You know, so so as children, we're reading energy all the time to kind of like, you know, okay, they're 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 feeling good, they're feeling this, and and I think as adults, what happens is people start to look for where the danger is, and they will always find it. Hmm. <laughs> look to see who they need to be suspicious of, but then they forgot that they were actually going into the party or going into the meeting saying, okay, who's the person that's going to like try and pull something, right? Who's the person that I need to be suspicious of? But you don't really know that you're going in there with that agenda, but that is the core is self-preservation. Is that a healthy core or should we be more walking in with what joys am I going to find tonight? What what people am I going to collaborate with or who am I going to meet that's going to be really fun and maybe a, a, a friend, you know, that I didn't anticipate. But then that comes from generations of why we were like that. We had to be suspicious. Yeah. Because if you're most of the time in life, if you're going to search for the things that you're suspicious about it, you're going to find, you're going to be able to build some case in your mind. A hammer is always uh, going to find a nail. A oh, exactly. always going to find a nail. You're going to be yeah. able to build yeah. this case of whatever you want, whatever your fear is telling you to look out for. So right now, 
at least to me, but I think to most people, the world feels very precarious, very upside down, very fragile. And so I wonder, are there things we should be doing to uh, help ourselves deal with it? Or, or is there something that we should be learning from it? We're in times where everything is converging all mm, at once. Mm. There's order and chaos, as we know. And I think there's a term of chaotic. Right. And we we have this place where as everything gets chaotic of, oh, well, you know, you can't say that anymore. You can't do that. You can't. And you're like, OK, well, why can't we say that? And why can't we do that? And where's where's the dialogue? But we've become very bad at dialectual reasoning. You know, yeah, we've become we very bad at at, at debate. Almost like Socratic style um, conversation. Words are lost. It's now all just image based. It's all based on, as we go go back to the beginning of what words to use, how quickly, what's the marketing of this to get the most people on your side. And nowadays a picture says a thousand words. And so images, 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 and that's not the truth. I mean, we have to sit down and actually talk it out. Like you just said, Reiki is not, you can't just give it one sentence for two sentences. It is a deep, thick iceberg. And I think most things are, we're just not willing to do the work to get beyond that level of water and go way deep down. We've lost that talent. Well, but I think we've also, we've also lost that talent within ourselves. You have to do that with yourself in order to be able to do that with the world. And it's very scary to do that with yourself. So we've lost the talent. We don't do it to ourselves, and we don't do it with others. And we've all become very isolated So if it is what you're saying, which is the consciousness of all of us shifting, even though it's uncomfortable, it's a really good thing because change doesn't come in comfort. It comes out of discomfort because it's it's forcing us to a very uncomfortable place that we have to get to. to Anyone that has went through healing, they know it's uncomfortable. It feels as if your soul is being like ripped out of you. And I don't blame people for not wanting to do it. But before I think... People used to get ill. You know, someone said to me, he's a singer. And he said, you know, I only thought people did this work of the tapping because they were sick. I didn't know that you could do it with all this stuff that we've done it with, with my, you know, creative blockages, or I can't see that, or I can't get to that, that, that no, you know, all my head space and how it's got nothing to do really well with sickness. Mm -hmm. You know, but we we're sold that this is, a thing to do with sickness rather than this is a life tool. If you want to be who you came here to be, you better have some tools in your tool belt because we are still in an old system yeah. that is is um, defragmenting, let's put it that way. And through that change, you're still going to have those old systems in place rather than being drained about it because that's what happens. People get shut down mm-hmm. and they feel, um, well, what's the point? No one's mm. going to, I'm never going to make a difference. Right. And I think that's the saddest phrase that anyone has as a mantra. And I've heard it often. If you don't know, if you, you don't try, and if you won't try, even when I'm working with people that we have to go to that place that they don't want to go to. And it feels so exposing and raw. We're going to have to enjoy it. Because you know it's going to lead you to a better place. And I say to them, you know, the jig's up. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever the jig is, the jig is up. 
And then they go there and then they say, oh my God, what took me so long to do that? I had it in my head that was this huge thing and it wasn't this huge thing at all. Are there little whispers or physical nudges that we get that can help us realize when we're deciding from a healthy place or deciding from a unprocessed trauma place? You hear the narrative in your head. Well, you know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do this. And you're like, who are you telling your day to? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so you're telling your day to the thing that's going to sabotage you? Mm. And you're not going to get all of those things done? Keep that to yourself. <laughs> when you start to kind of go into this mental state of, oh yeah, it'd be so nice to do it, and then you don't do it. That's exactly mm. right. I mean, we've mentioned others and how they can interfere with our plan with the shoulda, coulda, but really at the core, we are our own worst enemy if we allow it to be louder, if we allow it to take over our physical, emotional, spiritual being. Catching that. You know, the other day I went to lunch with a friend uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time and I could tell she was in this place because she kept repeating herself. You know, Mm -hmm. you know what I don't want? You know what I don't want? I don't want it to be like this, this and this and this. I said, maybe just practice saying what you don't want. Because you say it a lot. Mm-hmm. What do you want? <laughs> exactly. And then she said, oh, my God, I say it a lot. And then, and then she's going to take that as our practice for the next month just to catch it and to sit with it. And, and being, um, I think, even just beginning to be self-aware of the words and the sentences that you say to yourself or even say to your friend, is there anything that I say a lot? Yeah. Do you think that's the most important practice? If you were to give our listeners one practice to do and to focus on, do you think that's it? Just pay attention to the words coming out of your mouth. Words are coming out your mouth. And then you'll start to become aware of the mantras you have going on in your head. Mm -hmm. I used to give people affirmations. And they were like, I don't like, I don't say affirmations. I said, well, sure you do. They're just all negative. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So I think when we start to hear our own uh, mantras, our own negative patterns, our own like, where is that coming from? Oh my God, that's my mother. That's my grandmother. That's that's just something that's in the consciousness. Women say to them, especially women. Well, women's work is different to the male work. Women's work is a lot of the self work, a lot of the imposter syndrome. You know, so that's a lot, and that's because of oppression. And really, you know, the only status that you could really have was if you married well and talk about self-love. That self-love comes from whatever you want to call it, whether it's God, spirit, the beloved, um, this kind of universe, this warm feeling of, I know it's bringing up all this issue for you, but I know it's, it's, it's a calling. It's It's not a referendum on what you lack or what you're not doing. But but that's completely aside. The call is more. It's the I'm leaving behind the fear and I'm going toward the bigger, the love, the joy, the purpose. Yes. That's it. And and I think when you start to live that life in that alignment, you can feel it and Mm -hmm. you feel healthier. You feel more joyful. 
you feel and things happen easier. It's not a struggle to get to where you've envisioned. It just sort of lays itself out in front of you saying that connection, right? Yeah. It's connection. connection. That's right. right. So when you're connected to that, that, that message, that call, you know, even you doing this podcast, you know, that taking the call to do that, you know, you don't know where things are going. You just know it feels right. Mm -hmm. And then that's a very spiritual teaching of not being attached to the fruits of the action. When people ask to work with me and we start to go there, a question that can come up is, are you saying that I've done this? Defensive. I'm not saying that you've done this, but I'm saying that there are factors that are contributing to your disease that you haven't acknowledged. And the minute you start to acknowledge them, then you're empowered. Factors in this that have weighed you down, that have blindsided you because you weren't aware. You were 23. You were 16. And then once that light is shined on it and you see it, you can't unsee it ever again. You're like, oh my gosh, there it is. And it's so clear. I want to, I want to get rid of it. I want it gone. And then you're all in with the annihilation of it, of what hold it has on you, what, what constraint it has on you, realizing that the, the boot that is on your neck is you. So it's that shift, right? It's the, it's the hero's journey. It's the the victim to To overcome the, the hero. Of your own own life, so in every stage of generations, right, the traumas, the things that they had to overcome. Mm-hmm. As much as you are in the epigenetics, looking at oh my god, we have to do ancestral clearings of what they went through. Yes, we do, but we also have to embrace the ancestors of like god, they were they were, they were tough, mm-hmm. they were strong. They overcame. They yeah. courageous they get through this. They they were brave. They broke free. They left because they, if they, they didn't, we wouldn't be here. Right. Exactly. That's the evidence. Sometimes the things that happened to us are horrific, but then I see people do things with those horrific things that have been able to collapse the hold on it, the hold it has on them. Yeah. It's very empowering to think that you can look at those, you know, horrific or traumatizing moments and pick the positive thing that you want to find in it, pick that out and then apply it. You know, that's a very empowering feeling. You don't even pick it out. Sometimes just by collapsing the rage that you have about it sets you free to Mm. then go into this positive realm that you didn't even, you, you couldn't even conceptualize. It's like like gifts, you know, it's like mm. presents that, that just start to kind of sprout forth from um, there not being any more toxicity in your environment. How do yeah. you as a healer practice self-love? What's your go-to to restore yourself? My self-care is, is my yoga practice my Reiki practice, I tap on myself, mm. you know, I, um, I look for things to tap on, uh, hiking, mm. you know, playing with my dogs, 
traveling, um, being out in nature. Like I love all animals. Myself, love is to do with my connection to source, following your purpose Mm -hmm. or your mission, whatever you want to call it, just little steps at a time. Everybody thinks they need to know what it is. But to me, it's really to do with what I'm here for and um, uh, uh, really putting that front and center. And I think once you do that, there's a there's a self-love there that you're using up skills and talents that you didn't even know you had. Well, each person brings a different connection. So it's a surprise. There's no way you can possibly plan to know where this conversation is going or what you might learn or how it might you know, inspire you in some way. And I, that's another reason when Mary Lee asked me to do the podcast, I couldn't quite encapsulize what the process might look like or what the outcome might look like. And that's been the absolute joy, you know, the creativity and the connection. And isn't that the excitement again of the death part Mm -hmm. of what you had lost and then that you would never have came to a podcast probably or have started a podcast if if this hadn't happened yeah right yeah so i i think out of these um uh moments and times i think we always have to i think it's so easy to look at what we've lost but also in the same uh equivalency of what have we gained Mm -hmm. and i think people have become i certainly have become more grateful and much more present and more some, some of my priorities have changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think that's happened for a lot of people. Who do I really want to be having these conversations with? Who do I want right. to connect with? Yeah. What, what um, like, I don't want to just do things for the sake of doing them. You know, that's that right. kind of formal energy of yeah. the fear, of, you know, that fear of missing out, you know, so I have to go there. I have to do that. Yeah, you know, because that's also kind of like vibrating that you are missing out. Yeah. Connection has become very, very important. Real connection with people. There's no bandwidth left for sort of niceties. Idle chatter. Yeah. No, there's nothing left for that. So real connection is what you're left with. And it's a great thing. Yeah. But I think that's also, that's also self-love. You can only be yourself and then authenticity emanates. And now our five questions. If you could go back to your teenage self, what advice would you give her? I would say you already know. Ooh, ah, I like that. Me too. I like that. I need to say that to myself every day. <laughs> yeah, my saying is to people as you know, you know. Before starting a new project or if you are faced with fear, Besides the knowing, are there physical um, talismans or anything that is a good luck charm or a, a ritual, could be a ritual, that sets you off in, in the right way or makes you feel more secure? Uh, when we are excited, like if you go on a roller coaster and you are screaming your head off and you are in fear and you're doing loops and everything, and then it finishes and you're like, oh. Do you want to do it again? When we're in fear, it is also, are we in fear or are we just excited? And now I need to do breath work. Now I need to really breathe into how exciting this is because when I start to kind of gasp for breath or start to hold my breath, I start to starve my brain of oxygen. Mm-hmm. 
when I start to start my brain of oxygen, I start to get anxiety and I start to spin out. So breathing is key. Breathing is key, but breathing into the excitement of it, breathing into, I don't know how this is going to go, but I don't know where this is going, but I'm excited and I'm terrified and I'm frightened and we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it to the other thing that's like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. Right. Okay, if I were to walk into your closet, can can you pull out one item of clothing or something special that reminds you of uh, a time in your life that you'll always keep that item? Yeah, it's a, it's actually a vintage top, a sequence top that I purchased, and I officiated my mother and father's uh, wedding their 50th wedding anniversary. So I'll always keep that top, you know, where they renewed their vows. If you could have any skill, it could be of this world, of another world, what would it be and why? It's mm, a good question. Um, I think there's a word for it uh, where you can be in multiple places at one time. Uh-huh. Ooh, a yeah. multi-dimensional traveler. Yeah, I think it's the theorization <laughs> or something. It's- I love it. That's a good one. All right, last question. If you were a nail polish color, what color would you be? And what would the cheeky little name be? Uh, I would be kind of transparent with kind of like, like an opal, you know, mm-hmm. like an opal stone that has all the colors. And I think I would be called... Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It was such a joy. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Bye. Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after this break? Stages podcast is sponsored by Simply Earth. I love essential oils. I use them a lot, but I was always making up recipes on my own because I really wasn't an expert and I didn't know what to do with certain oils. So they just ended up sitting on my shelf. Until now, I have discovered Simply Earth. Simply Earth essential oil recipe box helps you clarify what oils to use. And they help me make my home toxin free. Your essential oil recipe box comes with four pure essential oils, six recipes, lots of fun extras, and all for $39. And when you subscribe, you'll get a big bonus box full of all kinds of natural goodies. Using essential oils to promote wellness does not have to be confusing. And right now, Simply Earth has a special for Stages cast members. You'll get a free 80 milliliter diffuser with the code STAGES. So log on to simplyearth.com STAGES. Get your free diffuser and start making your home and your life toxin-free. Thank you, Simply Earth, for supporting Stages Podcast. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our theme song says, love where you are now, but sometimes we all need a little help. I've learned from therapy and in my yoga practice that growth comes from challenges. A good therapist can help you reframe the way you look at a challenge and your life. And BetterHelp can provide you with a therapist that give you some tools to navigate. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. 
It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can reach a therapist in under 48 hours. And right now, Stages cast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp, so don't wait. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash Stages, and love where you are now. Okay, Patty Penn. Patty Penn. This is what I have to say, because again, with these conversations, you never know where they're going to go. And we wanted the direction to be self-love for Valentine's Day. And somehow, every time she was speaking, I kept thinking how much better I felt about myself and how much safer. And I don't know, I, I felt comfort in thinking of those that came before me, in thinking of those that are going to come after me. There's something about a collective mindset, still being an individual, mind you, but knowing that you are a small part of a bigger yeah. thing that makes me feel better about everything. I remember Seb was going through a real tough time and um, having a hard time shaking it, just feeling like it was only happening to him. Why is this happening to me? What did it? And we went to the planetarium at the Natural History Museum and we sat there and we just looked at the stars and, you know, it speaks about, it starts at the Big Bang Theory and how it's all coming through billions and billions of years. And just keeping that all in mind saying, wow, there's nobody like me. Nobody else exists that is like me. However, for all of the things that happened before me and all that will continue after me, it puts things in a way that you can digest, that makes yeah. you feel like you can just put that next foot forward and, and go about your day that feels, the word safer just kept coming back to me. Well, it, it, was, it was like when she was saying um, that because we're all part of a greater consciousness, none of us are ineffectual. So when she was saying like with that feeling of like, well, why bother? You know, we can't, nothing I'm going to do is going to change it, but that's not true mm -hmm. because when you heal yourself, you heal your children, you mm -hmm. heal, you heal mm -hmm. the past, you heal people who are in contact with you. And it might not always be easy, but when you have those moments of healing and like strength where you just go, you know what, this is, uh, this is authentically what I need and where I need to go. You heal people in your life. And yep. so I loved when she was saying that, that feeling of how sad it is when people think, well, what's the difference? I can't make a difference, but you right. can, you make a difference. And by fixing yourself, you're, you're, you're putting that healed energy into the greater consciousness. That's, that's right. That's it's huge. not really romantic, but you know, it's quantum physics people. <laughs> so, you know, love, love, love quantum physics, but because we are all connected, because we are all energy, because we all come from the same water and and air and cells and atoms, that if you can do that for yourself, you are doing that for others. If that other person is doing it for themselves, they are in yeah. turn doing it for you. Because And that connected. is love. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The other thing that you talked about that I think is so important is the conversation that we have to ourselves. You know, who are you telling this to? That repeated patterns. And I remember many years ago, there was a time I went through in my life where I would, I would get out of the shower or pass a mirror or put on some clothes. And the things that would go through my mind were so mm -hmm. unkind. The things that I say to my image are 
I would never in a million years say it to someone else. Even if I couldn't stand that person, I would never be so unkind to them, but yet I would do it to myself. Right. You're one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. So where's that compassion for you? Right. Exactly. And I had to find that. I still have to find that for myself. I think once you're aware of the patterns, you can't unsee them, you know, and that's how you start to heal. And I loved that she used the word chaotic. (laughs) I think that's a great, great (laughs) word. Chaos, but order. And we know, you know, she was talking about the, 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 well, I mentioned the messy, but then she was talking about the painful and you have to get through it to get. And again, with the visualization of cleaning something out, whether that's your closet or your office, or you're packing up your home, it looks like you're getting nowhere for the more than the first half of the organization. You're making more of a mess. There are piles, nothing seems to be in any sort of proper place, but you're working toward cleaning up, organizing, knowing what you have, knowing what to get rid of and what to keep. And mm-hmm. if you can just keep sifting through all of that yuck and mess and what seems to be unorganized or disorganized, you will come to a place where there is more clarity and it is more organized and it makes much more sense to you. But yeah, that middle part's scary. It is. There's no well, way around it. And there's a really important thing that happens in that process because when you've chosen to release other things, the things that you have chosen to keep have a more special value. Mm-hmm. You've you've chosen that. It's not just in a big pile of stuff that you hoard. When you sift through, whether it's emotional states or it's stuff in your closet or your junk closet or your basement, when you when you let go of stuff, what you have chosen to keep then has great value. That's right. Yeah. There's this great um, thing I always love to teach in my yoga class. And it's a saying that your destiny is written on the inside of your third eye. And when you quiet your mind enough, one day you'll be able to read it. Mm. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I feel like I'm living my purpose. I I certainly do feel like there was a calling and and I answered that calling, but the the quietness, the stillness, the meditative state, I haven't found that yet. I, I do try, but I have never hit that place where you can just, um, be quiet. There's nothing. I'm really good about coaching myself into healing, coaching myself into getting past the fear. Uh, That I'm great at. I will talk to my cells and help them heal. I'll talk to my spirit and say, you're more than they're saying you are. I, I have all of those tools. Yeah. But the tool of sitting and just being without any sort of, um, perception, or awareness. These are all good words, right? You're supposed to be perceptive and aware and um, wanting to be better, all, all of that. But the the nothingness, the yeah. quietness. I'm not sure that's the goal to. of meditation though. I think when we put that goal on meditation, it's too overwhelming. It It's more, I just do the mantra thing and then eventually the mantra falls away and okay. you do have more and more spaces of quiet. So think of it that way. Think of it as every time the thought comes in, acknowledge the thought. It's not about ignoring your thoughts. Acknowledge the thought, watch it float away, and then sit in that space for a minute. Even if it's two seconds or five seconds. Even if it's two seconds, because maybe then it's eight seconds, and maybe then it's 10 seconds, and you know, and that's what I try to do. 
Anyway, my friend, happy Valentine's Day. I'm going to, you too, I'm going to, and not to be selfish, but I'm going to make myself a Valentine's Day card and I'm going to write down five things that I am either aware of or that um, I appreciate about my own damn self. Oh my God. I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to do that too. If you want to do it, make yourself a little Valentine's Day. I love that. And then eat, eat, eat a little chocolate. Hey, you don't have to tell me twice. All right. I love you. All right. I love you too. Bye. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.